Greetings, friend. Craig here on the third floor. Welcome to another episode of Third Floor Wars Tabletop Talk, a podcast devoted to analog tabletop gaming. This episode is a direct port from one of our YouTube videos spotlighting masters in Malifaux 3rd Edition. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel by searching on YouTube for Third Floor Wars. That's three words, no numbers. T-H-I-R-D. Enjoy. Howdy, folks. Craig and Ray here on the third floor. We're going to talk about how to hire a crew. Quick disclaimer, uh, when we filmed this, the uh, M3 was still in open beta, so some of the details we talk about might change, but thematically everything should mean we're about the same. Okay, let's talk about kind of the process we go through. Howdy folks, Craig and Ray here on the third floor, and we're going to talk about how to hire a crew. Quick disclaimer, uh, when we filmed this, the uh, M3 was still in open beta, so some of the details we talk about might change, but thematically everything should mean we're about the same. Okay, let's talk about kind of the process we go through. So, you and I have decided to play a game of Malifaux 3rd Edition, and we have it's a good already... decision. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and we've already determined uh, the pool of the what strategy we're going to play, the yep. pool of schemes we're going to mm-hmm. pick from. We already know what the, um, the deployment's going to be. Deployment's gonna be. So now comes the big thing, which yep. is you know picking a crew. And something I've always loved about Malifaux, actually, because Absolutely. you don't, uh, unlike other games, it really can behoove you, even if you're making tweaks at the end, mm-hmm. because you're given so much information, it oh, really yeah. behooves you to, to build your crew on the spot. Right. And it's like one of the things that's very common to do is to kind of like have a core that you can work mm-hmm. with. And the really great thing about M3E is that you get that core kind of at the start because, you know, kind of your keywords help you there. But having that core and being able to flex that to address what you're dealing with is like, it's one of the great draws of Malifaux in general. I agree. I agree. So let's kind of talk about the process. So the first thing is you would pick a faction. I would pick a faction. We would declare factions. Right. So the first thing that I know is I know what faction you're going to play. Yep. Now I, when knowing that information, I look at the pool of masters and the faction that I've declared, and mm-hmm. I pick a master. You pick your master, yep. and we reveal that. So yeah. now think about how much information we have going into this. Absolutely, we know deployment. Mm-hmm. We know the pool. Yep. We know the strategy. We know the faction we're playing against. We know the master we're playing against. Yeah. So now we're going to hire the crew. Right. And like the really important thing about this is like we mentioned just a minute ago with the M three keyword thing, knowing the master means you know the keyword. Right. And that just opens up a world of possibilities because, it, and it's a skill cap too, skill yep. cap too, because knowledge of the meta, knowledge of keywords in general becomes important. And that was that's always been important in editions of Malifaux, is knowing what your opponent does. It's really important about any war game you play. Yep. Knowing what your opponent can do gives you a leg up. And this is taking that to the next level because not only do you know what faction you're playing, which gives already kind of an identity, like, you know, Neverborn are going to be not as ranged heavy, Mm -hmm. you know, Ten Thunders are going to be highly mobile, stuff like that, you know, Rezzers are going to have a bunch of hard-to-wound type things, you know, stuff like that. You get general feels of what people are going to be playing when they declare that faction, but once you know the master... 
You know, there's a world of difference between playing against, like, you know, for 10 Thunders, a Yoko Hamasaki versus, say, a Shen Long. Mm-hmm. Or in playing, uh, even more extreme examples would be like in Neverborn if you're playing something like Nakima. Right. You know, or Nekima for those who pronounce it that way. Um, who's a, their, her crew is just a murder machine sure. versus something like Pandora, right. which is a completely different style you're going to have to deal with. Now, the one thing that I do like, though, is, you know, in previous editions of the games, how much knowledge you had of other models mm-hmm. really, really could make a big difference. I mean, yeah. granted, you know, you and I would plan out say, kind of, what does this model kind of do? And, right. And, uh, you know, anybody who's a decent guy or girl is not going to do gotcha stuff. But right. gotcha stuff happened in Malifaux. It, happen- in it has editions. to. has to. I think at, at first I thought, you know, this could get even more complicated with the newest edition. But the more I think about it now, it's not, you, you, really have a better sense of what the crew's going to do when you hear the master. Yeah. So it's not a matter of I need to learn, you know, all 70 models in the 10 Thunders faction. No. I just need to know what the, really kind of get an idea of what the seven different keywords are. Right. And, and kind of what, what to expect when I see them. Yeah, and that's something that from a design perspective is a fantastic decision yep. because um, for those who may not have been exposed to Malifaux 3rd edition yet, um, and you really should expose yourself, it's a great it's a great edition of, of Wargaming. Um, each keyword has some unique capabilities that are only for that keyword. Right. And that means that even if you don't know what any of the models do, you can still have an overall idea of what the keyword does. Yes. And that's just money for people who are trying to get into the game. And even for people who just want to play at a slightly higher level than casual. Yep. They, they want to start going to tournaments. They want to dip their toes in that competitive water. It's not quite as devastating as it used to be. Because if you see like a Parker crew and you know that Parker's keyword is that they all have running gun. which and they all have gunfighter. So they're all going to be charging and shooting everywhere. Like you already have some good yep. information there. And you just need to fill in a couple of extra little blanks. And you can make some intelligent decisions on how to build your crew from that alone. So let's talk about the restrictions. Yeah. Um, so, again, to bring us where we are now is we've already picked our pools, we've got our strategies, we've picked our masters, we know what each other's masters are. Mm-hmm. Uh, the first thing is is that I have the ability to hire anybody, any model that has my keyword for their cost. Yes. And that's regardless of faction, right? It is regardless of faction. Um there's a couple of Marcus, uh, the dual faction masters come to mind specifically here, like your Jan, your Jan Lowe, your Marcus, I think Hoffman's also dual yep. faction. Um, those really come to mind because they dip so heavily into their pool, May Fang. Yep. Uh, even, and, then, and there's a couple of like satellite models, like Yoku from uh, Ten Thunder, she has like uh, Hinamatsu, who's a Neverborn model, but it's the only one that she gets access to. And there's a couple of couple of keywords that do that, that have access to random models from another faction. And it, it kind of, it, it's a good thing to just scan, scan through the faction models for those keywords. Yeah. Just to, because every now and then you see an outlier that's like a really, really good model. Like, uh, again, Ten Thunders, just because it's the well I know the best, um, Asami has a Bayou model in the Akaname. That is a fantastic little scheme runner that if you don't look at for those external models, can kind of, you know, you're missing out on a tool in your toolbox. Right. But by and large, though, it's pretty self-contained, and that's fantastic because you pretty much know, like, there might be one extra model here, there might, if I'm a dual faction, I've got them split. But your keywords, your keywords, your keyword. And that just kind of is an awesome thing. And I get them at cost. Yeah, you get great. them at cost. Yeah. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. 
So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. So now, after outside of that, I now have access to all of the versatile models in yeah. my declared faction. I right. get them at cost as well. Yes, absolutely get those at cost. Last but not least, mm-hmm. I now have access to my entire faction. Mm-hmm. The only thing is, is if the model I'm hiring in my faction mm-hmm. is not versatile right. or does not share the keyword of my master, right. I have to pay an extra stone. Right. So if it's a cost six model, I'm paying seven. You're paying four. seven. Uh, last thing that's important to note is totems. So the totem of your master mm-hmm. has a hiring cost of zero. Yes. And well, so clarification of that, the totem of your leader. Correct. Yes. If you if you pick a master as your leader, that master gets their totem for free. Yeah. If you pick a henchman as your leader, then that henchman gets the effigy of right. that faction for free. Right. And that's on each effigy card is that, is right. that thing if, yeah. if, if, mm-hmm. if it... Uh, you have a henchman as a master. But one thing I think is key to um, point out, though, about the totems, because I didn't think about this until it was pointed out to me. It's not that you get your totem for free. It's that the totem of your master has a zero hiring cost. So for totems that are like, you have two or three of them, right? I could hire them, right? So, for example, I, you know, I'm a resurrectionist and play Revisors and I love Reva. Right. I could bring in... Two corpse candles. Yeah, they at just no cost. They're, same thing with like Shenlong, who gets uh, aspiring students. He gets two aspiring students. Um, and then on the flip side, you have stuff like you know uh, Dreamer, who gets Lord Chompy bits, who right. like it's on zero. his own. Yeah, <laughs> on his own would be like an eight so model, and you're yeah. getting it for free. Yeah, and and that's something that they did. That's kind of actually uh, that's really intelligent in some of their design. Um, is that you have some masters that cost a little less, but their their totems are big, gnarly henchmen like you know Lynch and Dreamer. Um, and then you have some masters that are like really like hardcore masters, but they're totem. They have a couple like little totems. Yeah. You know, and so it's, it's really cool how they balance that out. I, I agree. I agree. So quick recap, you choose your faction. You declare that you choose your master. Mm-hmm. You declare that and reveal that you then hire your crew. Anybody with a keyword, regardless of faction, you can hire at cost. Anybody within your faction that's versatile, you hire at cost. Yep. And then any model in your faction that is not versatile, doesn't share your keyword, you can hire at a plus one stone. At a plus so one stone. stone cost. Now, we have 50 stones to work with. Yeah, a lot of the stones. The master doesn't cost us anything. Nope. The totem doesn't cost us anything. So nope. we've got 50 stones. Right. So slowly we're going to build mm-hmm. our crew up. What's key, though, is what we leave off, right? We're not right. probably not going to ever go all the way to 50. So I want you to talk about that. So soul stones has always been a really big thing in Malifaux. And for those who may be new to the addition for Malifaux, it's one of the many resources you have access to. You have resource, you, you know, your model is your resource. The fate deck is a resource. And then soul stones is a resource. Um, and that's resources, one of, the few, one of the few flux resources we have where it can be spent on a variety of things. And uh, in the case for third edition, it's a really good idea to take an eye, to look at what you're doing with your crew, and determine like how much do those stones matter? How much do those extra stones matter? Because there's several things you can do with them. Just really briefly, you can stone for more cards during the draw phase. Yep. Every stone you spend, you get to draw two cards, pitch two cards. You know, so it's card cycling through your deck if you've yep. got a bad hand. So that's really important. Uh, there's damage prevention. If your model that can spend soul stones gets hit, 
after the damage flip, they can spend to try to prevent some of that damage. And again, it's you spend to flip the prevention, and then you can spend additional stones to increase that prevention. So even just from those two abilities alone, you can see that there is a benefit to having more than yep. just one or two stones. And that's not even getting into being able to stone for positives, putting your opponent on negatives, and then stoning for suits. Suits, yeah. Which some models, some masters and henchmen cannot use the triggers on their cards without stoning for a suit. So it's like, it's really important. Or if you're playing a summoner, you know, you've got to get that summon off. And if you don't pull the suit, you need to get your summon off. You got to, what are you going to do about that? So stones are a really, really valuable resource. And not having them allocated at the beginning of the game, it's up to you to determine how many of your 50 soul stones you're going to put in there, up to 10. Yep. And making an educated decision on where on how you're going to go on that sliding scale is really important. I've played with as few as two soul stones. I've played with as many as ten, and it radically changes some masters to do that. And what's nice about that is you get the balance, right? So if I, you know, if I go full full ten soul stones, mm-hmm. I'm only got a forty stone crew, right? Um, and that that could matter. That could that matter. could definitely yeah. matter. It's the same as if I to walk in with 48, 49 stones worth of uh, crews and upgrades. Right. Then I you know I've only got one stone to work with. Yeah. Um, one quick thing that's important though is that you're limited to only start off with ten stones, but right. during the game there's there's the possibility of going above ten stones. Yeah. So there's the ten's not the cap. It's not the, it's cap, just the cap. It's just the hiring right. cap. Right. There's a there's a few factions and some a few models that allow you to either steal soul stones mm-hmm. or gain additional soul stones. McCabe comes to mind. I think. Parker has some mechanics yep. where he can steal soul stones from people. Um, so those are it's it's definitely something though that you still need to consider because if you have a master, for instance, that's kind of squishy, and you're playing, and that's the master you picked, and your opponent picked a master that's pretty heavy. Yep. You know, well, maybe you want some more stones and one less model because hey, that scheme runner is nice to have, but being able to take some damage prevention flips on a min three beater. That might be more important. And also, I would imagine, too, that the pool is going to impact that as well. Oh, absolutely. Because if the pool is such that keeping your henchmen and masters alive is going to make a huge difference, yeah, then, then, I, then I think you need to think I about I think you got to bring some stones in. Um, I think a safe number right now, just from preliminary play, I've played a lot of beta games, safe is still in the four to six range. If you don't know what you want to do with your stones... Right. Four to six is still pretty safe. Yep. But I really do encourage, like, with the ability to stone multiple times for cards and multiple times for damage prevention flips, you know, taking all the information we're getting and 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 putting a little bit more thought than just, if I have four to six, I'm okay. Like, see if eight might work for you. See yep. if three might work for you. You know, give it give it some flux. I think experience is going to matter here. Absolutely. It's, even it's, that's even if you're a veteran of previous editions of the mm-hmm. game, I think it's changed enough yeah. that you really are going to have to experiment. Absolutely. And it's like, I used to think, one of our one of our local meta players I've played a lot, he, he was always taking eight, nine, ten stones. I was like, why are you taking so many stones? And then I tried it one time, and I was like, oh... Changes how you look at the, at the table. Completely changes how you look at the table, yeah. especially if you're playing a master that's like a control-based master that likes triggers and likes cards. Yep. Like being able to stone for extra cards and stone for those triggers, like that really matters. And having more stones to throw at that. And like, and, and here's, the, here's the thing. The thought process is like, well, if I spend all these stones uh, on stones, then I'm, I'm sacrificing my model count. But remember, we have pass tokens. Right. So it's not as big a hit as you might think to go from seven models to six models. It's not as big a hit. Yeah, quantity mattered a lot more in previous editions of the I, game. I feel that is accurate, yeah. and and it's on quality of selection as well. Yeah. Like you know, if you're going after this one model, and like we're talking restrictions, and we're going after a couple of models that are out of keyword, that's a couple of stones. So maybe you don't do that as often because you need to buff up your 
your soul, your cash your a cash. little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe you do because that's some. I think that's going to be a big trap people are going to have to deal with is when do I hire out of keyword versus not? Because there's definitely some models that are almost auto takes for me in some of the factions I've been playing that are out of keyword. And it's like, I don't care if you're in keyword or not. That model's coming with sure. me. Sure. And you just, you just got to pay that tax. But So the last little bit, uh, things you can spend stones on are upgrades. So every faction has a, has a pool of upgrades. Yep. And... Um, Every mo- any model can get up to one upgrade, one upgrade. At, during hiring. During hiring, yeah. And um, I think most, if not all of them, are two stones. Uh, I think all of them are two yep. stones. There's a couple of outliers from, like, like Killjoy, for instance, when he deploys, he puts out, like, zero stone upgrades. But right. that's not, that's not, part that's of not a part of the right. hiring thing. The hiring ones, I believe, every faction has three. Mm-hmm. They're all two stones. Um, you can I think they're all plentiful, too, as well, which right. means you can only have two copies of each upgrade out. All of them have a minion buff, and then the buff every other model, mm-hmm. all, all models is part of it, and uh, and any model can t- 